right, nice job. Good set. Let's do some social kick. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Kick Podcast. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew tonight. Luke Paddington, Dr. John Mullen, and we're joined by the lovely Kylie Moss. Welcome, Kylie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. First of all, where in the world are you? What's going on? I am currently in Toronto, Canada. And um, yeah, just training. Yeah. <laughs> I can see. John practicing his power T from Toronto Titans. Just came off a good season. Um, a season filled with backstroke. We were actually just talking before you came on about uh, if, if backstroke, especially the 100 backstroke in the women's field, is perhaps the deepest, most competitive event in women's swimming. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, I feel like a couple of people have, have said that to me too. Um, it's insane to see the fast times being put up by so many people all over the world. And um, personally, I think that's just really motivating and it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me pushing to just be the best that I can possibly be. But yeah, I think it's incredible to have such a strong, deep field and um, you really never know what's going to happen. So it, it definitely keeps keeps me pushing and keeps me moving forward as best I can. You're back, yeah, you, back world champ. So you've got to yeah. have a lot of confidence in that field, right? Like, you know how to show up in the big moments and that, that means something. Yeah, I think I definitely have confidence and, and having those successes behind me is, is confidence. But I, I also know that it doesn't, you know, what's, what's in the past is, isn't necessarily what's going to happen in the future. So um, I like to kind of just obviously celebrate that and and be proud of those accomplishments that I have done but also just continue to look forward and and also just focus on myself and um really just see what I can do and to continue to improve my swimming and to be the fastest that I can possibly be irregardless of of the other people in my in my field definitely I mean you could have three current or former world record holders in that finals for long course meters plus the short course meters maybe a few world record holders so i think 100 back women's is definitely a loaded field but i think there's other events too like the men's 200 breast i think is going to be super packed with people hopefully breaking that world record luke you got any other events that are going to be full of people that are going to be like i said the most competitive at 100 free, the Americans have seven guys going 47, and that's just Americans alone. I mean, you you drop in uh, the what the Europeans are doing. I mean, it's incredible. 100 free yeah, for men and women. How's this here? Yeah, yeah the uh, but, but, he recovers. Yeah. So is that what makes you so fast? You just swim your own lane. You do your own thing, and you just swim your own race. And you are known to back off. You're known to finish well. What what makes Kylie Ma so damn fast? And I think pretty underrated. Because yeah, tell me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think. I I often think back on my performances like, you know, four years ago now in Rio and in 2017. And I think about just how I was and um, I try and continue to embody that and just really just enjoy the experience. I think in Rio, I, I, it was my first senior national team. I had never raced at that level before. It was kind of just an eye-opening experience and a dream to be there. And I obviously had worked hard and had goals to um, be the best that I could possibly be there, but I had no idea I was going to end up on the podium. And I, I think I, I didn't put as a lot of pressure on myself. I didn't really like think about a lot of things. I just let my body do what it 
trained to do and what it knew how to do and enjoyed the whole experience, enjoyed being with my teammates. And um, I think having that mindset and having that outlook on the sport and on the races that are extremely nerve wracking and, and important um, really helps me kind of bring it back just to, it's just swimming and um, I'm just going to do what I know how to do. So I try and just continue to think of that, especially at big competitions. Are you aware what's going on in the last 10 meters of, of backstroke? Are you aware that you're about, you could tie the Chinese swimmer, you could get silver, you're so close. Are you aware, or are you just like working hard, you see the flags and you die for that wall? How, when, when do you know where you are in the race? Yeah, I feel like I can never really tell where I am. Mm -hmm. I think in backstroke, you really can't see much, like sometimes on the turn, but that's like such a fast kind of flip around that you can only really see some splashes. And usually I think if someone's beside you on both sides, maybe you're closer to the lane rope or they're closer to the lane rope and um, you can kind of see some splashes and maybe you can gauge where you are against them. But apart yeah. from the person right next to you, I don't think I, I ever really know where I am. And I'm always just kind of going and focusing on where are those flags, where are those flags and, and trying to get my hand on the wall as fast as I can. I want to know, I feel like that's got to be, you have to be in your lane, in your own lane even more as a back halfer mm -hmm. to have the confidence to, to turn and potentially see anybody and not have that throw you off at all. Um, which I mean, maybe happens more in freestyle than it would in backstroke. And I hear that, but like, talk to me about race strategy. Have you always swam the hunter back that way? Do you, do you, and, and what, what do you do in training to help you have such a great back half? I, I don't think I necessarily, when I first started kind of swimming the race like that, it wasn't, I wasn't intentionally trying to, you know, back half it. I think I just had good controlled, you know, front end speed. And then I was really able to just maintain that speed coming home. And I think some other people just aren't um, like everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And I think my ability to hold the water um, as I get fatigued is, is good and is something that I continue to train. And um, I think I work a lot on back end speed and just doing fifties, like at back end speed, trying to, ensure that I can come home, um, you know, as fast as I can and, and close to what I go out in. Um, yeah. but I don't think like when I first started swimming it, I, it wasn't like a strategy that I, that I really focused on, but I think it's just maybe one of my strengths that I can use to, uh, to come back home at the end of a race. Do you change your technique for that? Do you focus on something different? Do you make sure you don't overreach? Do you make sure that you're driving your legs more? Do you make sure that you're driving your hips more? What do you change to make sure you maintain that? Because it has to be not just a fitness. It has to be making sure you hold your technique as well. Yeah, what do you work yeah. on? I think a number of things that you said, obviously maintaining the kick as best I can because that keeps the hips high, keeps your body on top of the water and that's really important and um and then i think just trying to maintain a long like strong stroke and i think one of my strengths is my catch and so ensuring that i'm continuing to get that that large pull um even when i'm fatigued and even when you know your stroke might start to shorten mm -hmm. i think i just try and capitalize on on lengthening as long or as much as i can um with the fatigue that, that comes at the end of the race. 
How, how, how do you enter? Uh, we, we, Brian had a teammate, Doug Van Rie. He entered like this. He had another teammate, um, Margaret Holzer. She entered thumbs down. How do you enter? Do you have any particular style? Are you, are you classical, pinky? What do you do? Um, I don't think I'm pinky. I think I'm more like like flat or almost more, I wouldn't say Ooh. thumb, but I think more like flat. And then hmm. I twist as I am already in the water. Um, and that's something that I've, I've picked up on the last little while. And I haven't really, I don't think I want to change it because I think I, I, I rotate once I beginning to catch. And I think that's, that's what works yeah. for me. So, um, but yeah, I would say I'm like kind of flat, <laughs> whatever you call this yeah. flat water. Yeah. Backstroke is so interesting with a lot of different schools of thought. I mean, if you go back to like Pearsall was doing this kind of side crunch thing, you know, and, and that's what he was famous for. And then you had Lochte with a really hoppy backstroke. Yeah. And then, you know, I think you've had a few different techniques on the women's side, like Kirsty Coventry was pretty straightforward, head still Natalie also pretty head still. But yeah. But I mean, you know, and then you've got right now, like Reagan, of course, has a super high tempo compared to the rest of the field where somebody like maybe Olivia Smuliga has got an even slower tempo, but she's really tall, you know? And so I don't know, there's a lot of different influences. Was there anybody between, uh, you know, your early influences or working with Byron was, did you figure out Kylie being fast from Kylie or were there some other influences that kind of helped shape the stroke that you put in? And, and it's not just the hundred bags, 200 bags. Well, yeah, I think it was honestly just how I swam it. Um, I really didn't, look at my technique at all. And um, like I said, going into Rio, even I hadn't swam, like I swam the hunter back. I, I swam it kind of broke out in, in 2015 at the world university games. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I kind of realized myself like, Oh wow, maybe I'm a backstroker because before that I swam everything in club swimming. And when I came to school, um, I swam hundred fly 200 IM. Like I, I kind of just did, other events and so I and I enjoyed that I liked doing everything and then when I started to see more success in the hunter back I, that was when I started to focus on it more but I think the technique of it um came naturally and I think it also is a test to my club team I think in club swimming we developed technique for all the strokes and we did a lot of technique work and um just swimming all the races and and getting just developing the stroke on its own, I think, is kind of what happened, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and then over the years, the last couple of years, um, having more resources to look at technique and, um, you know, the biomechanics and, and learning all the the science side of the strokes and what's what's optimal. I think I, I haven't adjusted too many things, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Kylie, is LaSalle, Ontario, next to Windsor? Yes. Uh, so do you know Mike McQuaw, who is a coach at, at Windsor? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a he's a his brother's family. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, cool. they got a good program there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a former Canadian Olympian in the mile for those who are watching. He went to the Olympics in 2000 for Canada. Well, Mich Michigan guy, too. So, so good pedigree mm -hmm. with um Rubanchek, and now he coaches oh, weird. a Michigan miler, strange, a Michigan miler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you mentioned doing I am one, multiple things are going through my head. One, you must know the Toronto Titans coach pretty well because we didn't see you in the 4IM at ISL. <laughs> I want to see that. All right. Um, but you mentioned in 2016, like you said, you just kind of went in. You were using the energy of the team. Obviously, the Canadian. And 
that's the first time I noticed them really being on a rise. And I think they really turned a bunch of you guys really turned a bunch of heads at, at Rio. And now Taylor Ruck is up there training with you. How does it feel to have that, you know, teammate there? And how is that influencing your training moving forward? Mm. Yeah, it's great. I think um, first I'll touch on the the Canadian women's team. I think that also really helped me in Rio. I think it was so cool to see um, your teammates succeed. And, and that's obviously so inspiring and so motivating and, um, just seeing someone do it and being like, well, why can't I do it? And if she's on the podium, like I want to be on the podium. And, and that was kind of the, the attitude. And, and that's so cool just to be surrounded by so many people who, who strive for greatness and who are, you know, pushing themselves to, to success and in, in all man manners. So um, that was really awesome. And then coming home. Yeah. Obviously having so many great swimmers to train with is, um, very helpful. I think it's it's awesome to be able to do sets. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses in in training, and you know some people are better at kicks, some people are better at pull. And I think you know having a group that is so diverse that can um, you can race with anyone, and um, I think that that's so helpful and so great for a training group. And um, I know I think there's a quote that says. Um, something about like the environment you're in forms who you are kind of thing. So, um, you know, if, if you're surrounded by greatness, um, uh, yeah. something like that, you'll, you'll be great. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think that that applies to, to my situation. I think there's so many great swimmers that I'm surrounded by that, um, I have access to, to train with. And I think that's wonderful moving forward. I still don't understand why you didn't go to McGildo, but I get it. <laughs> I went to McGildo, sorry. <laughs> who do you train with? Who do you train with? So many names. And, and do you train at the UT pool that we all know? Or, and who are some of the names? Does Yuri train there? Who are the national teamers that train with you? Yeah, so for the last six years, I swam downtown at the University of Toronto with yeah. Byron. And for five of those years, I was a part of the university team. I had moved from LaSalle to Toronto to pursue school and, and swimming. So I was a part of um, that team for five years in Canada. You have five years of eligibility. So I completed all those years and then um, was with them up until um, just like COVID when uh, the pool shut down. So all of the pool shut down from March until end of June. And then the first pool that opened back up was where the high performance center is. Um, and that's out in Scarborough. So it's maybe like 30 minutes away from, from downtown Toronto from where, for the pool that I trained that. So that was the first pool that opened and that was where, um, you know, I was allowed to go to swim mm -hmm. to get access to the water. So we, um, and I've been out there since because, COVID is obviously still happening and, and we're still in lockdown over here in Canada and Toronto and a lot of pools are closed. This is the only pool that, that is still open. So um, the high performance center is allowed to, to use it right now. And um, so we have a, a great group of, of individuals of, of swimmers. We have um, the girls, we have Taylor Ruck, Rebecca Smith, mm -hmm. Sanchez, um, Penny, we have Sydney Pickram just moved here. Um, who else do we have? Jade Hanna, Lily Daly, uh, Summer McIntosh. And then the guys, there's Josh Lando, Mac Dara, Yuri Kissel, 
uh, Finley Knox. Mm -hmm. uh, that's group. Yeah, so it's wow. great. So do you think this, because this is like, man, almost like a national training center for a long-term camp with how obviously COVID set up. How do you think that will help or hinder you guys leading into hopefully 2021 Tokyo? Yeah. I mean, I think we're extremely lucky. I think, um, you know, there are a lot of swimmers in Canada right now who don't have any access to a pool at all still um, because of the pandemic. So we are really lucky to just be in this facility. I'm really lucky to have been downtown and to been have been so close to the Pan Am pool where the high performance center is that I can, you know, use it and I can train with them. So um, I think, yeah, right now we're all just really thankful to be in the water still. And um, we know that so many of other, our other national team teammates and, and swimmers in the country don't have access to the water still. So um, I think, you know, we're putting it in work and we're, we're using the time we have in the pool and in the gym to the best that we can to prepare to prepare for you know hopefully next summer I think it's crazy to see um that it's coming around so fast and that so many other countries are are racing and training um but we kind of just have to you know put our head down and and just be thankful for what we have and um to continue to the train as best we can right now Kylie, I want to know about the thinned out trials. What do you think about timed finals? And there's only, how many is it? Is it top 20 or something that are allowed to compete? Tell me about that. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I think we, I mean, we, that only came out, I think, like a week ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's too bad they didn't limit it to top one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, honestly, like, it's so uncertain right now, like just everything. Um, like I said, we're in lockdown here in Toronto and so many things can still change. And um, as, as much as it is coming up really soon, um, it also is a bit away still. Um, yeah. And I think we, I didn't really think too much about it or read into it too much because we basically just have to do whatever you know, our federation decides, like, I can't change whatever is said, and I need to be ready for whatever the case is, whether it's time finals, whether it's, you know, prelims and finals, whatever it is, whatever mm -hmm. it ends up being, like, I can't focus too much on and stress about, like, what it's going to be. I just need to continue to train and prepare like I would for anything else. Um, and I think that's kind of the overall, you know, attitude I have towards it. I'm yeah, I can't, I can't control what it's going to be. And um, I need to just be prepared as best I can and, and to continue to train to be the best that I possibly can in April. Hmm. I, I was just going to say that Canada started a domino effect of pulling out of Tokyo last year, uh, or this year, when it was, they were started. And, you know, with this new setup, maybe this is something we should consider for other trials. We don't know, right? This might be something they're onto. Maybe it's an ISL setup, but it's, you know, Canada has definitely taking that step to to be proactive and, and, and set the guidelines for where we're at. And trials are still in April right now, tentatively. So, you know, you know, other countries at the US may look at see how that went and is that something they might want to do? You never know, right? Because try US trials are July. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, ISL was a pretty, uh, pretty big, <clears throat> let's say, production. And from the people that we've spoken with, it sounds like even though there weren't fans in the stands, that the whole ISL production and the team chemistry made it such an intense environment that it wasn't hard to swim fast. Is there any talk in Canada about hiring a production company to run trials so that there's music and graphics and you guys can get all fired up behind the blocks? I hope so. I think, uh, yeah, in ISL it was, I feel like I didn't even think much that there wasn't anyone in the stands. I feel like because the team and the atmosphere and the lights and everything that you said, um, you know, made it, it's so hype and, and you could just swim fast. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not part of what goes on behind the scenes there. So I'll leave that up to them, but that would be cool. Come on. You got one of the loudest voices though. You got a platform. I, I don't think it'll be too long before you recognize the stature that you have in Canadian swimming. And you know, you, you can, uh, you might be able to influence. I have a feeling that's why trials got moved from Montreal to Toronto. So guys, the Montreal pool, the piscine Olympique, it's shaped like this. And when you swim backstroke at Piscine Olympic, all the lines are curved. So you start if you're following the lines, you start off and then you curve back in. Right? It's the most annoying thing to swim in. I love that pool. But Let's have annoying. the best backstroker in this on this call. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that what he experiences? that's why they make the team. Okay, guys. That's the only reason. <laughs> that is true. It it is shaped like that, and it is very difficult. I only swam there in 2012, I think. That was my first Olympic trials. And it was at that pool. Yeah. But other than that, I didn't swim there. So she moved it to Toronto and we're fine. Yeah. You see what happens? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Since we're going into ISL a little, obviously you switched teams from season one to season two. I'd love to hear your perspective on, on why you did it. I think I know the reason, but I'd love to hear why you did it and what your thoughts are on just free agency on the athlete side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had, I was a part of the Cali Condors in season one. Um, I was super, super grateful and thankful to have been a part of the Cali Condors and Jason, you know, put trust in me and put me on his team. And, um, I had a great time first of all in ISL, second of all, with that team, um, so many incredible swimmers and just new friends. Um, and yeah, I have, I have nothing but, but respect for that team. And, um, it really was a hard decision for me. I, with the new franchise being the Toronto Titans and Byron McDonald, who's been my coach for the last, um, six, seven years has, was named the head coach. Um, you know, I was, I felt really compelled to join the Toronto team and kind of bring it into the ISL and be a part of that and, you know, help the ISL bring in this new franchise and, when there was already four teams already established. Um, and back when the second season was released with the, the first um, schedule that it was supposed to be, which was, you know, all over the world. Um, I don't even remember how many stops there were supposed to be, but it was supposed to be all over. And um, with my school and with training, it actually, the schedule for the Toronto Titans actually worked better for me. So, um, yeah, after after looking at kind of everything and and deciding on being a part of the Toronto Titans, you know, I obviously it was sad to kind of part my ways from the Cali Condors, but um, again, I have nothing but respect for them, and and so cool to see them win this year. They're obviously an extremely strong team, and um, you know, it was, it was fantastic to reunite with with a lot of them in in Budapest and to see Jason and everyone there. It was it was great. 
I mean, we were honestly really bummed to see you leave Cali because they're our home team being in yeah. California. And we used to go to all of your home meets and cheer you on. Wait, wait there weren't home meets. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, what do you think about fandom? So you start in a, an expansion franchise in a league that has no home meets. Do Canadian, do Canadian club swimmers follow ISL? Do you have fans that are hitting you up on Instagram? Like, Kylie, I love you. Sign my Toronto Titans t-shirt. Sign my face. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think – I don't really know what the response was over here. I had heard a couple things. Like, Byron works with CBC, who's our, um, you know, sports broadcaster here in Canada. And he said they were streaming the meets um, on the computer while we were over there. And he said the – I think the response and the – the views were were really great, um, so that's that's wonderful. And I think honestly, with COVID, like a lot of people were stuck at home, and um, a lot of people weren't swimming. So I think to see swimming on on the computer on the TV was was fun. And I think I do think a lot of people um, tuned in to watch. But uh, I don't know. I I think because we're a new team, I don't think we have the same um front as like the cali condors or london roar energy standard but i do think moving forward like after this first season and people kind of saw what it was a new team and um and now there's a canadian team to to support i think that'll be really cool to kind of try and loop in all the canadians to to support us was there a lot of tension on deck with byron because he really wanted to commentate but he was stuck to coach for change <laughs> no i think <laughs> He obviously enjoys both. Um, I think. I think he didn't know what to do. He's like, I have to coach only. What's going yeah. on? He knows so much about so many swimmers, right? Having to comment, yeah. he has to know, you know, about so many people. And I think that honestly was a a huge advantage in in the recruiting process and mm -hmm. and all that because he knew swimmers and he knew you know where they were, who they were working with, or you know, coming out of college, whatever it was. Um, I think he he really had an advantage over maybe an, another new coach who who wouldn't have knowledge of, of other swimmers. That's probably true. I mean, we've heard some coaches say that, you know, they didn't know certain events really well because they had never focused on that or they didn't know men's swimming, so they didn't coach men's swimming. And Byron, Byron gave us like, the full encyclopedia on Canadian swimming. So I can only imagine like what we were able to tap into in the short time that we had with him and how much like more is in that brain of his with swimming yeah. and nerdiness. Yeah, like he knows so much. Like he'll tell stories of he'll remember the lane someone was in, the time they went, like what year it was, where they were, like every single detail about a swimmer or about a race. It's it's insane. I'm always like, how do you remember that? He even remembered me swimming and I swam against him 25 years ago. He's like, yeah, of course. Like, you yeah. know that guy who swam that race? Like, how did you oh, know yeah. that? Three minute under brushstroke. I'll never forget <laughs> that, Luke. <laughs> how, how is that with a with a coach? I mean, to um, are, are you still working with Byron? Or have you moved to, okay. So well, right after COVID, he's, he can't like, like come to the pool, but yeah, I still obviously am communicating with him a lot, and I see him here and there. Are you working with Ryan Mallets and stuff? Who are you working Ryan with? Ryan and Ben Yeah, yeah. cool. Okay, How do, I know, so, I know Ryan. yeah, I'm just wondering about like you know, so if he's the encyclopedia, and it sounds like that's not really you, 
what are you, what what motivates you in the sport of swimming? Like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You don't, based on your comments, it doesn't sound like you're somebody who's like really that in tune with times and splits and and all that stuff. Is is that true? Or like, what you know? Tell me about like how you interact with the sport of swimming. Yeah, I think um, maybe when I first started, like on the international stage, I I was not. I didn't know my times. I didn't know what was like even good for training backstroke. Like I was just so like, just happy to be doing what, what I loved. And um, again, I think that's part of, of who I am and that's part of like my success in the sport. So I really, you know, I try and keep a little bit of that with me, but obviously over the, the couple, last couple of years and um, you know, specifically focusing on backstroke and um learning more about myself, learning more about my, my splits and my times and everything. I, I feel like I'm more of a time swimmer definitely than I was four years ago. But, um, yeah, at the same time, I, I, I kind of like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I do have goals and like goals for myself time wise, but I think it's valuable to, um, not focus like too too much on that because you can get so fixated on things like that and and overthink everything and um you know sometimes I catch myself doing that and I just don't think it's helpful I just need to almost erase everything forget and just swim because that's what I know how to do that's what I love to do and um sometimes when you try and analyze things too much you just begin to overthink and you just begin to change things that don't need to be touched so <laughs> that's kind of what I've learned the last little while mm -hmm. no it's huge and I think one thing, I mean, I, I do swimming research and obviously all that stuff is important, but on the athlete side, keeping the art with it too, and being able to just be in the flow, I think is, is so crucial and something that many people will overlook. And it's just like, oh, you just need to do this and this and this and this and mission accomplished when that's not really how it goes. And the more you work with elite athletes, you realize that's, that's how a lot of the great ones are. There are a few that are dialed into every specific thing, but there's so many great athletes and swimmers that, like you said, don't know some of the ins and outs of their races as much as their coaches or researchers, but that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of it too, I do leave up to the coaches. Like I don't get too um, engulfed in um, kind of practices and training. Like I just show up and I'm like, do, do what I'm told and, and, you know, leave the pool after and, come back the next day kind of thing. I, I think I do leave a lot to, to the coaches and um, I, I like that way of working, but then at the same time we do have, you know, a relationship about stroke rate and, and talking really technical things as well. So I think finding a balance between the two is what works best for me. How have you started to, um, as you've progressed in your career, I, I mean, it's like, when, so when you're young, you're getting best times every season. And at some point, that stops and you know you've been someone who won a world title two years in, or, i mean two consecutive world titles and the two years later was half a second slower than you know you did the, the in 2017 mm -hmm. and you know there comes a point where how you set goals uh changes the things that you work on and the way that you work on them they change your body changes your your environment changes and that's what like swimming is 
John wrote a book called Swimming Science. And I mean, with all due respect, I think on Amazon, there you go. I think, <laughs> I think like athletics at an elite level is a lot more art than science because you can do the exact same thing one season later than you did the season prior and have completely different results. And so I don't know, I guess I'm just wondering like, so how do you go about that at the stage of your career where you can't necessarily expect every time, of course, like we hope that you're going to come back and break the world record and win Olympic gold. Okay? So first woman under 57, right? Boom. Okay. So, but, but how do you like, tell me about goal setting. How, how do you approach goal setting uh, at your level? Yeah, I think, hmm. I, I think I haven't really, it's hard to understand that part about swimming because like you said, I, in 2019, I was like half a second slower than I was in, in 2017. And in 2019 at our trials, I was, I was faster than I was at, at worlds. And I think, like you said, swimming is so much more than, than swimming. It's kind of how you approach the race and like your environment and like so many things play into, I mean, that's like anything, I guess. Um, so many things play into your performance and, um, I think for me personally, I just try and look at it, as, at it as a whole. I think I try in terms of swimming, the actual swimming part, I think I focus a lot on just having confidence in the training that I've done. I think recognizing that once you're at the meet, you can't change anything and you're not going to get better than you, you know, you're not doing any more training to get faster your training is almost behind you and you just have to have confidence and trust in that training in your preparation moving forward to, to your race. Um, I think having that outlook is really helpful for me. And then um, on, on the national team, we talk a lot about adapting. I think that's a huge thing when you're at a world championships or an Olympic games or any sort of meet that's in a village and there's, you know, multiple things going on. Like there's so many, um, different variables that can impact your, you know, getting to the pool, food, like all these sorts of things that you normally have routined at home um, suddenly change when you go away. So I think being able to adapt and, you know, continue to focus as best you can on what you need to be the fastest and be the best that you can is also, you know, something I, I focus a lot on in terms of my goal setting and um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I think just, again, like looking at it as a whole and not, you know, I'm going to be the best that I can be, like not focusing on anyone else. Like if I, you know, I want to be the fastest that I've ever been and I'm going to do everything I can to, to be that and to do that. Hmm. The only thing that we can all control is this and this. That's the only thing you can control yourself, right? So um it's hard to say, but we all swam several events, but we all cared about already love. We it's different. We cared about one event for sure. Mm -hmm. Like that was like that was my baby. The other was like as important to me. I want to put my heart into it. But this is mine. This is Kylie Mass. This is Duke Paddington. You swim a fifty. You swim a hundred. You swim a two. Which one do you care about? And mm -hmm. is that the same one that you love swimming? Like you love to swim that race, and which one do you really hit? Like I'm gonna put it down. This is one I not really matters, and it's one I love. Are they the same or are they different? I think for me they're the same. I think I love the hundred back, and I that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. I think I in 2016 I didn't even make the team for the 200 back, 
I think that's come over the last couple of years. And I, in 2017, it was challenge. It was like a challenging race for me. I think I hadn't, I didn't quite have the confidence in it. And I, I think I, yeah, I ultimately didn't have, have the confidence in that race. And I think over the last couple of years, I've been able to build that and, and bring myself to actually enjoy the 200 and kind of settling into a lower stroke rate and, and more just, um, you know, strong swimming as opposed to more of a sprint. Um, so yeah, I would say the hundred is definitely what I love the most and, and my favorite event. And then probably the 200. Who enjoys the 200 backstroke? It's like one of the hardest races in swimming. <laughs> Who enjoys a leg burn in the last 50? Yeah. I don't know. Really, I say I do you, so you were talking 100, 200. I don't hear you even mention the 50. What are your views on the 50? I mean, it's not an Olympic event. Is it a real real event and should it be in the Olympics? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, that it is. <laughs> Let's get it. I think um, breakdown thing should be. <laughs> I think for me, I mean, I, I love the 50 because it's short and fast, but I'm I not necessarily as good as as good at it as I am the hundred or the 200. I think that's why I, I choose the others over the 50. I think the 50, you see so much like raw sprint power. And um, even at ISL, obviously short course is a completely different story than long course, but so many, I feel like there was a couple of swimmers who didn't even really, or who don't normally ever race backstroke who were winning the 50 back and um, like doing so well in the 50 back, which is so cool to see. And, and that's like, raw sprint and I feel like I don't I'm not quite there yet <laughs> I feel like I don't know I think the 100 is just more more my speed and um in terms of the 50 I think I, I don't know I think fitting into the Olympic schedule is the biggest kind of probably thing that I think of is like when when would it fall um I would yeah three more I, 50 I strokes know. right when would they go yeah, I don't know. I would do it. I think it's fun. It's it's a great race to kind of, especially get a, a warm up in for the hundred. Um, who doesn't love a fifty? So <laughs> well, you're, talking, you're talking a three fifty freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little technique here with you, then, and Kylie, because when I think of the fifty back, I think of the underwaters, obviously. Um, and 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 we saw a lot of different underwaters at ISL. We saw barrel is such a long, small kick. We saw the, um, um, the the guy who swims in the water under the lane line. He literally is almost in the other lane, but he's oh, under yeah. the lane line. Um, w w w w Waki, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. And we we, we, we see, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We see we see big kicks. We see people who are just like big big kicks and come up. I mean, describe. Are you thinking Is that what you're trying to think of? <laughs> no, I talking up. That's butterfly. That's a butterflyer. I'm sorry, oh, breaststroke. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let's um. How how do you describe your underwaters? What do you look to work on? I mean, we had Daniel Carr on the show, and he trains with Murphy all the time. And these guys do sets when they're always off turns, doing twelve kicks off each wall, making sure. What what do you work on? Do you work on driving from here? Do you work on 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 being short and fast? Do you what do you work on underwaters? What what makes you proud of your underwaters? Yeah, I think over the last couple of years, I've really worked on my underwaters. I I know Byron will tell you right off the get-go when I first came to him, my kick was terrible. Um, and I think over the last number of years, I've worked a lot on it, and I think it has improved a lot. Um, there are so many swimmers, like 
as you saw ISL, like who whose underwaters are just insane and so reliable, race after race after race. Right. And that's something I, I still want to achieve. You know, I definitely want to work to that because why that's a huge advantage. Um, you know, short course or long course, having having those great turns are are a crucial skill to to the race. And so I think I'm constantly looking to improve um, my underwater kick. I think I would say I have more of a shorter kick, um, a shorter and fast kick. Uh, Kyla, we were talking to Tom Shields uh, about who was the fastest underwater kicker in the world in the men's field. Me all day. <laughs> and the answer was... Me all day. So who on the women's side is the fastest to 15 meters underwater? The fastest? And, and maybe off the, off, the, off the third turn in, you know, not off the, yeah, he, he was, he was being specific, not off the start and not off the first turn. He talks about his two fly and his third turn. So who would like, when it, when it really matters, when you're exhausted and you have nothing left, that third turn sort of thing. I think I would say, based on ISL Beta, I think she has insane underwaters. Yeah. Um, Olivia Smaliga, her underwaters are insane as well. I'm just thinking back sugars because that's more what I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think Betas were insane at ISL. I was like in awe. I was like, at the end of the 200 back, <laughs> she was going I was barely yeah. doing like two. <laughs> Linnea was going all the way to 15 on each of her Linnea Mac. She was going all the way all the time too. I was pretty impressed with that. She yeah. pushed the boundary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so one thing I'm interested with athletes right now is, okay, so let's say Tokyo happens and ISL happens next year and ISL happens how it was meant to hap happen this year. How does ISL finals and meets, how does that fit into your training and how does that fit into your focus meets? Are, are this is this going to be your main focuses moving forward with the potential of making more money and more in the grand grand finale? What is it? Grand finals? What they call it? Or grand finale? <laughs> yeah, I think it'll depend on the year. It'll depend on what international you know. Let's go with twenty twenty two. So we have the Olympics happen in twenty twenty one, and then ISL happens after that. So not a whole lot is happening, right, on the swimming front. Yeah, um, I think, well, that, that would be a world's year then, no? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Everything's all messed up right now with yeah. uh, the, the year skip. <laughs> and this might be more of a Byron question, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I would say it would firstly depend on, on Swimming Canada and, and what yeah. our kind of required meets mm -hmm. are and um, our main focus with them. Um, but I think, as we've seen, ISL is a great opportunity to get up and race and to you know, work on different things, per perfect different things and learn more. And I think it's a great opportunity for, for us swimmers at this stage and, and to make a little bit of money and um, yeah, just learn from other people, learn from other coaches and um, why, why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? So I think I, I definitely will, if it fits into my schedule and um, if everything you know works out, I think I'll, I'll continue to do it for as long as I can. Hey, are you well known in Canada with professional athletics? I mean, a double world champion, and <laughs> bronze medalist. Like, where does this stack up in terms of you know, pr like premier athletes? 
It's her and Drake. Her and Drake, even though he's not in just dancing. No. People see Kylie on the street and they're like, come on, come on, come on, Sophie. <laughs> no, not like that at all. Um of the mask. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I think I think in the sports world, I think I am more well known than um but swimming also isn't as big of a sport here as it is in like Australia or mm. um, I think in some countries in Europe, I think a lot of mm. their top athlete, top swimmers are very well known. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm completely content with, <laughs> with how things are. And I, I'd almost rather be um, kind of just fly below the radar, do my thing. And um, yeah, <laughs> I don't really put know. Put a ball in. 2019, do you get recognized in Canada? In Toronto, you go to a big mall. Canadians are too polite, John. They'd be like, oh, they're way too polite. They'd be like, oh, no, it's okay. I know, I lived there for nine years. No. No, no, definitely not in Toronto. I think if I were to go home, I'm from a small small town. I think that is more likely to to happen. And um, just being from a small town in general, I feel like you could go anywhere and see someone from high school or see someone from, you know, club swimming or whatever. Um, but I, I don't think so in Toronto at all. That's never happened. Who were yeah. your Who were your Canadian swimming heroes growing up? I mean, you. I mean, you took very Jesus, we're gonna lose it. You <laughs> 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 said Luke Paddington. <laughs> My glory, <laughs> but you, you, I mean, you Tewksbury, 100 gold medalist, uh, before you were born, but still, he was a legend for backstrokers. Uh, I'm a, I'm, the woman had a downtime in the 90s, uh, but they got really good again. Who, who are you, who did you look up to? Okay, one second, can I plug in my computer? No, <laughs> okay, fine. For, for those who are listening, um, Kylie's across the river from Detroit. Hold on. You're gonna pull up which river that is. You're gonna give a geography lesson. Yeah, <laughs> she's across the river from Detroit. Well, the lake or river, what it is. So most people who live in her neighborhoods like support Detroit teams all the time. Are uh, you calling it Great Lake a river? Is that what's going on? No, it's a river. It's a river. Okay. It's a river. Yeah. It's a river. So, all right. <laughs> um. No, but back to your back to your question. I yeah. growing up. Um. I always will say like just the national team, like in 2012, when I went to Olympic trials, my first Olympic trials, I was just so in awe. Uh, Julia Wilkinson, Brittany McLean, Hillary Caldwell, Ryan Cochran, um, Sandy Mainville, like so many, so many swimmers who in a really cool way, I was able to be teammates with them in 2016. And I think that's, that's like super cool about sport and kind of, full circle is just like having your idols and then, um, you know, working your way up to, to, to be teammates with them and friends with them and friends for life with some of them. Um, some of them have moved on to retire now and, um, you know, I'm still really close with them, but also Mark Tewksbury, he, he spoke to us actually in 2016 before we left for Rio mm-hmm. and I obviously knew who he was actually, you know, meeting him and seeing him, and hearing him speak to us before, I took some of his tips and advice going into the games. And um, I'm actually still so really great friends with him now. I, I keep in touch with him every once in a while. And he's 
super supportive and kind and checks in. And I think we kind of have this backstroke bond. Um, I like to think that we, yeah. uh, you know, we share. So that that's really special. I brought it up because Byron mentioned, and these guys are privileged in a way of the NCAA system because you get to swim and be around some of the greatest athletes in the world. And not many of them go into the Canadian youth uh, sports system or CIU with me. And, and so you, you don't get to be in the same pool as Cesar Cielo or Fred Busquet. I mean, I, I, and, and, and so, Kylie, you don't have the opportunity to race or see these guys live or see these people live unless you went to the U.S. or you went to the Grand Prix meets. So um, I think that's ISL has done a really, really good thing for Canadian swimming to have you get more exposed to that. So you don't have to wait until you show up at the Rio Olympic Games to be in the same lane as as Olivia, for instance, you know, um, in the same heat as um, By the way, Tewksbury's story, historian of me, one year before he won gold, he went on deck and he visualized winning Olympic gold. He, he, he went, he sat on deck at the pool in the exact lane. He hoped you make lane four and he just visualized the entire thing. And one year later to the day, he swam exactly how he visualized it. And he got a touch of one gold. Wicked story. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to hear Visualization, story. Visualization stories crack me up. I mean, anyone could say they did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, Brian, you visualized your world record. I'm sure... Kylie did as well, right? It just came to you in a dream. That's just so cold, man. Don't shade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wrote 58 two years ago. I swear I wrote it down before I swam it. I swear. I don't know. Yeah, visualization can be powerful. Brian Goodell's another one, uh, American uh, miler, who had a really great story about visualization and the power that I had for him. Yeah, I, I, I'm I don't not saying it's that. not important or it's not a huge part. I recommend visualization with a lot of our athletes, but whenever I mean, anyone could could fake it, right, or just make up that. Story. I just don't think I've ever heard anybody call bullshit on it. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> Anything you do, I say, oh, yeah, I visualized I'd be doing a podcast with Kali Master today. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> you know what? I don't believe it. That's BS. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I totally thought we would get back to this. Okay, but <laughs> – I want, I want to finish I want to finish a, a thought uh, back to like you know your your uh, I guess stature in Canada and it's with respect to like how you think about going forward to to Tokyo um, and how you think about your competitors too because you know you're like well yeah it's a stacked field and you know I'm it's almost like you're like well I'm I'm glad to be here as if I'm not a double world champion you know obviously you have um, stature in that field and you're one of the best backstrokers in the world um, and and so kind of two part question is, do, do, do you have do you feel like there's pressure on you? And maybe there was some coming into 2020 and perhaps with the uncertainty of 2021, that's fizzled. But do you have pressure on you as a double world champion? And do you feel like maybe some of that pressure is taken off because of Reagan breaking that world record last year and um, then maybe suddenly to work to your benefit where there's not as much of a light shining on you as you look toward this next year. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's easier to be the chaser. I think it mm -hmm. is, um, obviously we work as hard as we can and we strive every day to be at the top when you're at the top it's, and you're kind of fighting people off 
it is, I think, more challenging than it is chasing, just in terms of expectations and pressure and all those kind of extra added things that can really impact um, a race if you let it. Um, I think in 2018, going into Pan Pax, which was after Kathleen broke my world record, mm -hmm. I think I felt- And she wore pearls too. And she went <laughs> up to the pearls. <laughs> no, pearl power. <laughs> um, I think I was really, really nervous. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, before that because I was going into Pan Pax as the world record holder, but then she had broke it just before at, I think their nationals, which were like just before they left for Pan Pax. Mm -hmm. but I think going into that meet when she, she was now the world record holder, I think it did take pressure off me in, in a weird way, just because I felt like I didn't have that on me. But then at the same time, it's like a bit on you because it's like, Oh, are you going to get it back? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always kind of, there's always something. And if you, you know, whether, even if it's not world records, if it's just a podium finished or, you know, a time, like if you let whatever that is kind of get to you, I think it can be detrimental, but if you work to, and I'm still learning how to, you know, kind of push that out of my head. Um, I think that that is still a challenge sometimes. And I think it always will be. I think that's just the nature of the sport and, and competitive fire within me. And, um, but I think if you work to not put too much pressure on yourself and to not let other people's like expectations and things that are being said, um, get to you too much, I think that's the best. Yeah. I hear you on that. Okay. I got some rapid fire questions for you, Kylie. We'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Okay. What's the hardest race in swimming? Oh. 25 back. <laughs> the hardest race. I mean. Skins. Come on. No. I That's not real swimming, Lou. Come on now. I think. I don't know. I feel like I would say a 1500 or an 800 or something like that. Just because that's not. That would be hard. For, really hard for me. Or like a 200 breaststroke. Um. Pound for pound. Done that? Pardon? You haven't swum that, have you? Nope. No. Nope, nope, <laughs> no, neither of us. Oh, all right. <laughs> Visualization right there. Myron. Visualization. I'm going to get jackpot. That's for sure. <laughs> Olympic gold medal or world record? Oh. Uh, Olympic gold? Well, when, you, when you've already had a world record, that's <laughs> a logical answer. All right, we're going to find out some Canadian things about you. <laughs> Canadian bacon or regular bacon? Uh, Canadian bacon. Poutine or maple syrup on anything? Uh, maple syrup. You <laughs> okay, recently, okay, a couple years ago, you proved to us uh that you could go faster than someone wearing a super suit. And then Dressel just proved to us that he can go faster than yeah. he could without a super suit. So you're behind the scenes uh, with Speedo. Obviously, super suits are no big deal. So what are, what are they working on? Like, is less, less is more, right? We're going back to paper suits? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. They just send you whatever and you wear it. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. How many medals will the Canadian women win in Tokyo? I don't want to put a number on it. Less, more, same. Is there a goal target? Uh, I don't know. I think everyone, I think we could have, I think we have such a strong team. I think um, it'll be great. I think obviously the circumstances this year have been challenging for everyone. And I think um, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. But I think as we saw in ISL, people didn't really know what to expect like time-wise even no one really knew what was going to happen people had you know no time out of the water people had months out of the water there was such a, a varying spectrum of of training over the last little while and people still threw down amazing races and and fast times world records so i think it'll be really interesting to see how tokyo goes and um i think the canadian team is ready to kill it <laughs> Yeah, you got to come up with a, can, a team Canada. Is there like a team Canada hand sign like there is yeah. a power team for Trump? Yeah. We'll have to come up with a cool one. Canada. Canada. <laughs> Maple leaf. <laughs> I don't know if you could like make a leaf, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. The backstrokes. What times does it take to win gold in the 100 and 200 backstroke in Tokyo? Oh, these are so hard. I don't know. <laughs> Um, or you could make finals. You could just tell me your goal times. That'd be easy. <laughs> um, Project fifty six. <laughs> I feel like it's so hard to predict times because mm -hmm. I remember talking to Hillary Caldwell after Rio, and you know she had a time in her head, and she had a time that she thought was going to win, mm -hmm. and it was like way off. Like the the, I think the winning time was was a lot slower than what she predicted. And I think that's just a, a test to the environment and like so many other variables that we were talking about earlier that could impact a race. And so I really, I think Tokyo will be fast in all events in backstroke and in, in everything, but I, I really don't have a clue of times. And I also think times, Byron always tells me no one remembers the times. And I think that's what facts you can get down on yourself if if you've been faster and you you know you went slower but you still won it's like no one you won like you won <laughs> um and at the end of the day sometimes time the times aren't everything so i think just got to get up and go on the day and then do the best that you can and whatever happens happens okay last one what's at the end of the rainbow for your swimming career what does it take how long do you see yourself swimming? What are your What do you need to achieve? What do you want to get out of the sport before you move on? I think I'll continue swimming for as long as I enjoy it, as long as I, you know, I like doing it, as long as I want to compete. Um, I think, you know, I've already had great memories and I've met so many, so many amazing people, so many friends, um, you know, so many coaches. And I think that's what's so special about sport. And, and that's, you know, a part of sport that I love and I really cherish. And I think ISL is such a great, you know, outlet for that. Cause you can really build those, those friendships and those um, skills for the rest of your life. But yeah, I don't have any sort of timeline. I think I'm just going to continue to swim for as long as I can. And, um, 
right now. That's I, I don't have an end an end date right now. So if that <laughs> says anything, I'll be I'll be here for a bit longer. I think. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's no meets from now until Tokyo or now until trials, at least enjoy the long slog of training. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be a fun one, but at least you have pool access. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great job positioning yourself there. Um, hey, thanks for hanging out with us, Kyler. It's been fun to, to chat again, and uh, we look forward to watching you tear it up in 2021. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, That's it for the Social Kick Podcast. We'll see you next time.